0: This is In Hindsight, Half a Century of Research Discoveries in Canadian History, presented by Dr. Donald B. Smith and produced by the Ontario Historical Society. Twenty-three-year-old Edgerton Ryerson set out in 1826-27 to help the already converted Mississauga of the Credit, quote, grow in their newly acquired Christian faith. Ryerson spent almost a year at the Credit. There, his best ally, his best friend, was Kaki Sacred Feathers, or known in English, Peter Jones. He became Edgerton's interpreter and chief indigenous advisor. The two men, approximately the same age, became lifelong friends. Years later, Ryerson described Peter Jones as a man of athletic frame as well as masculine intellect, a man of clear perceptions, good judgment, great decision of character. Equally, Takiwa Konobi, or Peter Jones, wrote of Edgerton, some years later, that he was a friend, quote, in whom I have the greatest confidence. Once again, Edgerton Ryerson and Peter Jones might best be described described as blood brothers. Well, Edgerton came to the credit, and Peter Jones and the Mississauga had already begun the task of clearing a site at the mouth of the credit for a village, and Edgerton entered in and helped. His concern was to help them protect their remaining land base, and to help them as well by supporting their transition to Euro Canadian farming. He set up a school. This probably in hindsight is one of the perhaps the greatest contribution. He set up a school in which the children were taught in Ojibwe and English. The credit Mississauga admired their non indigenous friend, who came rolled up asleep sack his shirt sleeves, who joined them in the fields, who ate and lived with them, who taught them to enclose and and cultivate their first fields and gardens. They admired him. At a council fire, December 1826, Edgerton had been there a number of months. This council, Credit Mississauga, gave Edgerton the Ojibwe name of a highly regarded, recently deceased, Chief Chichuk, who had belonged to the Eagle Dodum, or clan. The name Chichok meant bird on the wing. This designation was particularly appropriate in Ryerson's case, because he was always going about constantly amongst them. Well, this was quite something having a school, because this was not normal. At this time, in the late 1820s and 1830s, probably one out of 20 children, settler children, received an elementary education. The credit Mississauga, learning to English, becoming literate in it, were ahead of many of their non indigenous neighbors who could neither read nor write. Writing was very or reading, reading and writing, but speaking in particular was very important because it protected the Mississauga in their dealings, or helped them enormously in their dealings with the traders. It also helped them with their indigenous land claims. By one historian's estimate, the British paid in 1805, that's roughly 20 years earlier, for the huge tract of land between present-day Hamilton and Toronto. They paid the equivalent of a pittance of the value, perhaps 2.5% of what at the time was its market value. I'll just repeat that, the purchase of the land of the Mississaugas between Toronto and Hamilton, present to him, was 2.5% of its market value at the time. That's an article by Leo Johnson, the Mississauga Lake Ontario, Land Surrender of 1805 in Ontario History, volume 73, 1981, page 249. It's so important, I'm giving you the full details. Well, Peter, then, a very successful association with the Mississauga, mutually beneficial, and he's on to other things. Peter was always in touch with Edgerton. Uh, Peter Jones remained in touch with Edgerton, but Edgerton actually went on to other responsibilities and uh, senior ones in the Methodist Church, and eventually in the provincial government. He was named... uh, be in charge of the educational system of Canada West or upper Canada in the early 1840s. So his moment of intense contact with the Mississauga would be 1826, 1827, but he remains in touch and very concerned, very concerned about their their advances in agriculture and the recognition of their right to reside at the Credit River. And the key phrase here is title deeds. They should have a title deed. They should not just have the right of occupancy. They should have the, their ownership rights recognized. So he's a friend, and he continues to be so, even though his his activities, his responsibilities now are are are, are province wide, and he's involved, uh, as I say, with well, with the Methodist Church. He's the editor of the newspaper. He's uh, one of the organizers of the church and, and and then in the early 1840s becomes the director of education really, that's a modern phrase to give him for the Ontario school system now there's a, plan, a document though that often comes up, it has in the last little while, uh, it's a letter he wrote a long letter he wrote in 1847 and this in my opinion, and history incidentally is full of opinions there's no definitive answer never, never. I hope there no one ever attempts to make one. It's 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 not history has there are many perspectives. But this is mine. So now I'd like to just share that with you. Edgerton was asked in 1847 for an opinion of a proposal to develop in Indian boarding schools or residential schools. This is a hot potato, to say the least, isn't it? This was not his responsibility whatsoever. He was Involved heavily in setting up a provincial-wide school system, First Nations were not his responsibility at all. That's the, the actually, the British government still is retaining that control over Indian affairs till eighteen sixty. That's their responsibility, not nothing to do with him. but the one of the British officials did ask him for his opinion. After all, he's running the Ontario school system. He must have an opinion and Peter Jones had already in many ways discussed this with him. Although um, I, 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 I these, you know, as friends. So Edgerton had some background, but he was busy. <laughs> I think the estimate was how many letters was he writing a, a week? Hundreds. It's just incredible the responsibilities, and he has no time. So the official asks him to write this letter, and uh, it takes him two months to do it because it's all on, it's, it's, he doesn't have the time. And heavens, this is not his primary focus whatsoever, but he eventually does it and in my opinion this is where i'm coming through with my view of it he this letter is misunderstood this is a, an advisement and uh, it's done not with any legislative any executive power whatsoever it's nothing to do with what his responsibilities are it's just an opinion and this letter which is quite short really it's not long and it's not is no way designing a school an indian residential school system not at all, he's giving an opinion of, of what should be done. And his idea was farming. That should be the motor, that should be the, the that's what the school should be about. Uh, teaching farming and, uh, well, bookkeeping, uh, accounting. Um, and this this is the purpose of it. And this is not for children, uh, this is for, and it's not coercion, you, you have to apply. I mean, it's nothing. And it's uh, young adults, really, young male adults, that, would be uh, brought into this program, uh, and why farming? I mean, it seems why why not other aspects of it? Uh, well, Edgerton, it's his opinion, and he thinks that well, farming is it's the motor of the economy. This is an agricultural world. Industry doesn't come in big time till several decades later. This is agriculture, farming to be economically self-sufficient. Farming is is what's needed, and so it's it's all about farming um so that's that's the first aspect of it and secondly oh yes there should be um, some knowledge of uh, in skills like carpentry and um, for building and and uh, other other skills not directly related to farming that's true but what Edgerton suggested was apprenticeships uh, young men who were eager to become carpenters for example should apprentice in the neighborhood in neighboring settlements, is not, and this, this, he, he he knew that this, setting up these boarding schools was going to be, will be frightfully expensive. So no, no, that's you can't do everything. Have the students just live in the communities and um, apprentice? So that was, but that was not, by the way, that was not followed. This is, if he's, he's not. This letter, I mean, it's ignored. It doesn't even come to the surface again for about half a century. It's, it's just a reference tool and some diligent clerk at uh, in Ottawa in the 18, 18, late 1890s finds this letter and suddenly is brought forward as if it was some kind of gospel text. Well, not so. It's just an opinion and hardly recognized in, at, at the time. Um, so that's Edgerton and that's it. He wanted very much for the First Nations to become economically self-sufficient. He want, And this meant farming. And so the schools, That's that's what it's all about for him. And But then it's 1847, he does that letter, and then what's the follow-up? Well, there's none. It's not his job. And what happens afterwards? Well, Edgerton wanted indigenous students to become self-sufficient and independent, totally confident in their relationships with the non-indigenous society. He favored the eventual entry of the indigenous population into the mainline society, but through choice, not coercion. Well, the the centerpiece of this for Edgerton was that Peter Jones would become the principal of the first school, and eventually the, the the school was in development at this time, the late 1840s. It became known as the Mount Elgin uh, Industrial School or Residential School eventually, and Mount Elgin was named after the Governor General, Lord Elgin. Well, that was Edgerton's dream, and um, unfortunately, it was on, it was not achieved because Peter's health was deteriorating and he had to resign his position as superintendent of the Mount Elgin School just before the school's opening ceremony in July 1849. That's the tragedy. Subsequently, the school was never transferred to the Christian Anishnabeg's control. That was Peter's dream be First Nations people running it. The First Nations instead obtained the total opposite of independence, the disastrous federal Indian residential school system imposed in the late 19th century, the results of which the 2015 truth and reconciliation commission of canada final report volume 1 which is entitled the history part 1 origins to 18 uh, origins to 1939 that volume in the trc report clearly outlines the disastrous consequences of this approach in the late 19th century it is not what edgerton was proposing it's they got the wrong man it wasn't him it's uh, it's unfair to say that he was responsible for these boot camps controlled by non-indigenous individuals for coercive entry into settler society. And we know from the Truth and Reconciliation uh, Final Report, Volume One, The History, Part One, Origins of 1939, we know underfunding, mismanagement, and lax federal oversight multiplied the shortcomings of these institutions. And they were, well, quite clear. What what word disgraceful I think is the first one that comes to my mind. So and that legacy we're dealing with. But why, Ederson? No, he's not. He was a Christian. I've got him. well. Let's try to just round it out one more one more time here. And uh, he was a, and a very much a uh, product of his times. We all are. And uh, the undercurrent for him is, and I must recognize it. And the the critics certainly have identified. it, he wants, uh, he, he's working ultimately for the conversion of the First Nations into the Christian churches and um, uh, the integration. Uh, that, that's it. Not, but not through coercion, but through choice. That was his point. Um, and I think this is the part that's, um, we won't have time, of course, but just to suggest it. The spirit of the 19th century was totally, totally in favor of this. This, it was regarded as a step up. This was a. This was what the progressives were arguing at the time. This was to become raised up and enter the become a citizen of the British Empire. This was the highest good. So it's all different, regarded differently, and to understand, uh, I'm I'm no problems with the horrible situation with the Indian residential schools in the late 19th and 20th centuries, and it's it's just we're, we're living with that legacy, and fortunately we're going face to face with it now, but to attribute. The, the, uh, Edgerton Ryerson is the architect of this. It's just, uh, evidence isn't there. So anyways, he remains a good friend of Peter Jones. And it's a tragic situation in the late 1840s because what's happened is the credit people have, they've converted to Christianity. They've learned English. They've become farmers. They're uh, living in houses. They're doing everything according to the book. And yet no title deeds. None. They have they have no security of title. Why why would they go on improving their farms at the mouth of the Credit River? At present, they port Credit, City, of Mississauga. Why would they do that? Because they don't have title. And eventually, they resolve we have to we have, we have to move. And fortunately, the Six Nations, the Haudenosaunee, they remember that the Mississauga had helped them when they came to uh, Upper Canada after the American Revolution, and they offered them a place in their territory. And that's what Peter Jones and the mississauga do in eighteen forty seven the same year that Ryerson had, writes that letter and why Ryerson why race running that letter so this stuff never happens again. They the mississauga can settle someplace and get title I mean that's they're economically self-sufficient that's that's his dream, but the tragedy is the Mississauga have to move, and they do to they go to the Six Nations territory, and there they are today a very successful community. Wonderful place, and they call their new new settlement New Credit. That's how it gets that name because they from the old credit. So Edgerton was very much um, uh, that, uh, that was a that's uh, that hurt, and, and he he certainly continued with his all his other responsibilities to uh, do his. To, to advance this idea, but he, he couldn't. He had no more time. That's he's, it. He's responsible to the Ontario public school system, or uh, Canada West public school system, as it was called then. Well, the two gentlemen, as I said, were blood brothers. I use that term, and uh, I've got some proof. I'm a documentary historian. I respect oral tradition. Please. Absolutely. But I'm a documentary historian. That's my side of the street. So I've got some evidence here to support this idea of how close the two gentlemen were. And here it is. Dr. O'Connorby wrote, that's Peter Jones, he wrote of Edgerton. It's 1847, I believe, that same year that he was a friend in whom I have the greatest confidence. And, well, actually, there's further evidence of their friendship, and it comes a little bit later. And it's just a statement to the same effect, and that uh, he hopes they will remain friends forever. Well, poor Peter, it wasn't going to, well, for nobody is it forever. For <laughs> always, always an end point, naturally. That's the way it is. And Peter's came sooner than for most. He was very ill. In the early 1850s, he could not become the principal of the Mount Ogham School. He couldn't, he could barely perform his functions. He helped with the removal, he he and his wife moved to Bradford, which is north of New Credit, and he visited New Credit uh, frequently, but he he couldn't take an active role in the community anymore. So that's that's what happened. He had to uh, just, his health was deteriorating. Now, Edgerton was quite concerned, and he invited Peter and his wife to come to Toronto to come to their stay in their house for a month to stay in their home, uh, which incidentally is uh, right where Dundas Square is today. Uh, that uh, meeting point of Young and Dundas is where the house was. After the spring of 1847, Ryerson said said nothing more about indigenous education. He had his hands full establishing a system of free mandatory schooling for the entire province. As Canadian historian Jan Noel wrote me in a letter, well, just in May this last year, wonderful summary, quote, Ryerson worked tirelessly to survey the best public systems elsewhere. From Germany, he adopted going beyond rote learning to engage all faculties, adding singing to engage the heart. He adopted Irish textbooks acceptable to Catholics and Protestants. He created a supply chain of books and equipment to remote districts and log schools. He set up normal schools to train teachers, and farm boys and girls flocked there to take up the opportunity. He traveled around the province to talk up public education, stayed up at night writing encouragement to teachers, such as quote, No, The family you're boarding with should not require you to do their mending at night. Thank you very much, Jan, for that wonderful summary. It just says it all. So, Edgerton's not involved, but he's keeping up with Peter and Eliza, very much so. They're such good friends. And Peter's health is deteriorating, it's quite clear. In order to help find a cure, attempt to find a cure, Peter and Eliza invited Peter to their home in the spring of 1856. But clearly he was dying. Well, very sad. His demise clearly in sight. The Mississauga chief and his English wife now returned to their home in Brantford. The credit Mississauga, extremely concerned, brought a respected Anishinaabe healer from Rice Lake, northeast of Toronto, to intervene. It was too late. The healer could do nothing and Peter passed away, late June, 1856. In Brantford, Edgerton gave the eulogy. Very painful moment, no doubt. Here's a great quote, which I think summarizes the friendship so well. On November 1st, 1847, that's about a decade before he passed away, the Mississauga Chiefs thanked his non-Indigenous friend for his dispatch of a set of school reports. Quote, From which I trust I shall receive much valuable information which may prove beneficial in our Indian school schemes. Peter added, quote, My brother, I thank you for all the kindness you have ever shown to me. And my dear family, gonna have tough, tough with this one, the last line, and I hope and pray that the friendship which has formed between us many years ago will last forever. Just so, so, so moving. Well, on to the show. Edgerton, taking a critical view here. Edgerton's underlying point was, he regarded, as did his contemporaries, the predominant society was superior. It was Europe, European civilization was superior. The Christian religion was superior to indigenous culture. This is the reality. It's just, it's all over. It can't be changed. It's just the spirit of the age. Even the leading Methodist spiritual and educational leader, Edgerton Ryerson, had no idea of the Nabig's deep-seated sense of separateness and their determination to, re- to maintain that. He had no idea. Now, I'm away from my own emotion, I get so tied up with this. Anyways, moving away, I have an example of Edgerton Ryerson. I think I've recovered. Edgerton Ryerson's indigenous blind spot. This is it just fantastic. It's so revealing, and it says so much. It says volumes. It's a letter, one letter, 1850. It was written to the Indian Department by Peter Jones himself. It's about a land claim. Peter's writing, the credit Mississauga claim Long Point on the northeastern shore of Lake Erie. His letter reads, they claim, quote, the peninsula and islands were reserved by our fathers as hunting and fishing grounds. And this is all in a petition, March 30th, 1850. Peter Jones's hand, or Peter Jones, probably Eliza wrote it. (laughs) She did the transcription of his correspondence. And anyways, this is what was, was stated by Peter. Now, my question is, did Edgerton know this? Did he know about this claim to Long Point and to these islands? He was born and raised on a farm at the Long Point Settlement, which was one of the oldest British Canadian communities in Upper Canada. And in fact, his father owned a small island off Long Point. That, here we come to the <clears throat> the essence of it, that he willed to his son. He willed this beloved island to his son. And Edgerton was so delighted to have it. This became his beloved retreat. Ryerson Island. Did Edgerton ever learn from Peter that this was part of the Mississauga land claim? <laughs> well friends often keep secrets. He never told them. But we know it was still alive. The Mississaugas still knew that they had the, that was their territory, Long Point and this Ryerson Island. Peter, well, Edgerton died in 1856. But the Mississauga remembered. And in, well, some years later, a petition was prepared and it was sent and signed by Peter Jones's son. Peter Jones's third son became a medical doctor, an MD, Queen's University, and went back to his community. He was a doctor, Indian agent too at one point. Well, Dr. Peter Edmund Jones, Peter Jones's third son, signed that petition. He knew that was their territory. So it's just, again, a perfect example that sometimes Friends don't tell each other everything. Peter Johnson not told that to Edgerton. (laughs) But that was the reality. They still considered it theirs. So that's a wonderful, wonderful friendship they had. Full-bodied. Thank you.